you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. said unto him, Art thou he, or should we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Whole day that wear soft clothing or in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, 
which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verse number 11, and this is going to be our key verse this morning that I'm going to be targeting in on for a little while today. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I'm going to need your help this morning to stay with me on the topic I, I shared with Pastor Danny a few moments ago. I said sometimes time runs against us. This morning was one of those mornings. I started working on this early in the week, and it kept expanding in my mind, expanding in my mind, expanding in my mind, and I worked last night and up early this morning again working, trying to put this together where it makes full circle. I hope I hope I can do this justice today because the Lord, what the Lord has spoken to me, I feel is significant to this congregation today. By the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach none greater than John except he that is least. Except he that is least. Lord, we need your help this morning. I pray, Lord, your spirit and your power be manifest in this house. Lord, I pray that, Lord, where my words may fail this morning, your spirit brings life to your word. God, that, Lord, those that are under the sound of my voice today may do more than hear my voice, but may hear your voice this morning, that your spirit may speak into every life and every heart, God, that you leave no stone unturned today. And, Lord, that every person in this room hears the word of God and is affected by it its power and its might. I love you and thank you this morning. Send your anointing touch, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. The Bible teaches us that we're to honor our father and our mother, and if we honor our father and our mother, it gives us a reason for that, that our days may be long upon the earth. And that's what we have attempted to do this morning, this service is more than just honoring our fathers, but we want to include that element in our life, in, in this service today, to honor our fathers. We owe so much, I owe so much to my dad, and looking over my life, recognizing where I am, I haven't always seen as clearly as perhaps I see today the importance of that impact and influence. And every time that there was a point of disagreement today, I look back and I recognize that he was on my side all along. I just didn't understand him. And every time that I thought he was against me, he was really just trying to save me from myself. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the godly wisdom. And I th I'm thankful for every word that he ever spoken to my life. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the men in this church. I think that we have some outstanding men in this church. And I thank God for you. I thank God for your faithfulness, for your loyalty to the things of God, for your wisdom, for your hard work. Somebody ought to say amen to that. We have a hard work. 
thankful. We have some outstanding men that is that are part of this church. The father has a very important role in the family unit. And not only in the family unit, but fathers and men in general have a very important role in the church. Men ought to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's what the Bible says. Um, there's so much that we could talk about this morning. The Bible talks about women and their role and what they should do and how that they should that they should uh, respond, but it talks about men. And the one clear sign for men is that that we ought to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's a, that's a powerful, powerful phrase. There's a lot, there's a lot there. I, you can kind of gauge, you can gauge the effectiveness and spirituality of the church um, by the voice of men. Uh, when you hear men singing men and praying men, change the atmosphere and the environment of a congregation. And that's why it's so very important for our men to do just that. Your voice must be heard. And your voice should be heard. Father has such an important role in the family unit. And today, society has minimized the voice of a father and a mother as far as that goes. As a matter of fact, uh, role reversals and, and the society is so out, out, of, out of touch. Um, society has attempted to, to silence the voice of fathers. And any father that speaks um, is, is out of order, is uh, believed somehow to be overstepping bounds and being too authoritative. But a father has a very important role. And the role of a father will never be replaced by another. There's some single moms in this house today, and, and my hat's off to you as well. I know it's Father's Day, but I, my hat's off to you as well today because you, not by choice, but you had to step up and fill two roles. But there's you weren't designed to fill the role of a father, and a missing father in a home is very, very detrimental. That's why it's so very important. Let me say to the men in this room, no matter how bad it gets, it's pretty important that you stay for the sake of your children. The world is trying to silence righteous men, and we've got to learn to speak up. God gave men a certain voice, a certain tone, a certain sound, and men need to use that voice to be heard and to speak. We need apostolic men with strong voices that ring a certain and clear sound. Because some things are too important to just passively slip by and we can't just be silent for the sake of getting along on every issue. There are times that we must speak and we must open our mouth. The effect and the influence of a father in a home is absolutely has absolutely astounding uh, impact in uh, the upbringing of, of a child. Uh, families, listen, families are 95% more likely to attend church when a father regularly attends church. Isn't that powerful? 
Isn't that powerful? Only about 15% or so of families attend church because the child attends church. Only about 60% attend church because the mom attends church. But 95% of families attend church when the father attends church. That's, that's, a, that's a good reason for our men to be faithful. And, and I, my hat's off to you this morning, men, that are concerned and care about your family enough to get up when you're tired and weary and say, come on, we're going to the house of God. And I honor you today for being men who are sold out to God and faithful to your family. And I honor you this morning. I don't want to spend this whole message just honoring fathers today. But I wanted to make these statements as a prelude into what I believe the Lord would have me say to this congregation this morning. Because the world is in chaos. There is a struggle in the world. How many of you know that? There is a struggle in the world. The Bible speaks of it and said in the last days men would look at good and they would call it evil. And they would look at evil and they would call good. We need to be careful what we are affirming. But we need to also be careful that we are affirming. There is a struggle within every man that is driven by the need to be affirmed. This is the importance of mom and dad in the home. Allow me a little leeway and flexibility to bear my heart to you this morning. There is a struggle in every man that is driven by the need to be affirmed. This is why it's so very important for moms and dads to affirm their children. I don't mean affirming when you disagree and when you're wrong, but when they are right and when they do good, they should be affirmed. I told somebody a, a while ago, they asked me about raising three boys, three sons that all ended up in ministry. And I said, I learned a long time ago, you will never correct someone into ministry, but you can affirm them. And the power of affirmation, that positive voice, can be more influential and more impacting in the life of a child than a negative word. And so it's so very important to affirm what is right. There is a struggle within every, within every man that is driven by the need to be affirmed. And it is the desire for significance. If you miss this, you'll miss most of what I'm going to say to you today. The desire for significance that is within every man is connected to the need to be affirmed. And the fact when there is missing affirmation in the home, then the striving for significance that is driven by the need for affirmation becomes greater. And this works both for our good, but left out of balance or left unbalanced, it can work against us. The need for affirmation causes men to get up and go to work. The need for affirmation causes us to do a lot of good, but an overwhelming need for affirmation that is unmet 
drives us into the desire and pursuit of significance in the world, individual significance in the world. And this can become detrimental in our lives and cause us to step over many, many roadblocks and walk past many, many things that the Bible teaches that God says to us. We walk beyond them and over them because we are just striving for significance. That young man that spends every free moment in the gym isn't doing so just because he loves the game, but he's doing so because he is looking for affirmation. Don't get it wrong. He may love the game, but he's looking for affirmation. It's because he's looking for his parents to say, good job, and a coach to say, good job, and friends and teammates to say, good job and he wants to be the best because he's looking for them to say you're the best because it is doing more than just just stroking ego it is a need for affirmation and significance and so we climb ladders on jobs we try to get to the top because we were missing affirmation in the beginning and the need for significance that is God put within every man that is driven by that by that affirmation uh, uh, place in our life, it either does good for us or drives us beyond norm into abnormality, out of balance, and then we start looking for affirmation in the wrong places. That's why the young man that doesn't get affirmed by his father will look for affirmation from other men. And the young lady that doesn't get affirmed in the home will look for affirmation elsewhere. And if two people that are striving and needing affirmation that did not get the affirmation that they need ever come together, it creates a problem because two broken people do not make a whole person. And so we can... I'm just bearing my heart to you this morning. We have to be careful. The struggle is real, folks. It's real. That 40-year-old doesn't work 70 hours a week every week when he's got the money to pay bills, but he's just, oh, I'm just trying to get ahead. It's more than just getting ahead. It's that significance. You know why they need to buy more and have more and be more and accomplish more and have titles and roles? It is because they are driven for significance. Is this too heavy on Father's Day? They're driven for significance, and it all is born out of the desire and the need for affirmation that they did not find somewhere else in their life. This doesn't excuse it. I'm going to try to help you out of this this morning because some of us are caught in this trap. But somebody pray with me this morning. We need the help of the Lord in this room today. Because there's so much tension in the room right now because I'm walking right down the road where so many of us are and so many of us walk every day because the Lord put this in my spirit. This didn't come out of a book. I didn't hear this out of another sermon. The Lord put this in my spirit a few weeks ago. It's been churning in my spirit. God's been working on me. And this past week I started trying to put words to what God was saying to me and I believe it is for this hour and this church and it is touching so many lives in this room right now. We are looking for an affirmation and significance in every other place instead of understanding that if God affirms us, that is the affirmation that we need. It is when God affirms 
that boy doesn't find it at home, his, his friends will affirm all the wrong things. And he ends up in trouble and parents are saying, what did I do wrong? And it's probably nothing that you did wrong. He's looking for affirmation and he found affirmation from the wrong crowd. And they think it's cool and they think it's cute. I just came out of a week at camp. You don't even want to know some of the things that went on at camp. And it wasn't the young ladies, it was the young men that did some things that, my Lord, silly, off the wall. I don't even know what in the world would cause some young men. It wasn't all the young men. We got some great apostolic young men. We have some wonderful students that were there, had a wonderful time, were a blessing. But not everybody there came from the same background. The first issue that was dealt with this week when the pastor was contacted, he said, if you knew the home life, don't send the kid home. Try to do what you can here because if he goes home, he's going home to worse. If you're, our students are in here this morning. If your parents create a safe environment in a healthy home, you ought to wrap your arms around them every day and tell them you love them and you thank them. If your daddy goes to work every week and makes a living for you and you have clothes to wear, and oh, come on, we're better than that. Some of us have more than we need. You ought to let your parents know. Your dad ought to know today particularly. I thank you for being faithful to home, faithful to work, providing. Because what you don't know is the majority of the world does not have what you have as a family. Do you know that fathers living in the home now is not the norm? It is the the majority of homes do not have their father. The, the majority of children do not have their father in the home. You are so blessed this morning. Young people, you're so blessed. Look at you. Good-looking young men, beautiful young ladies. You are so blessed. You are so blessed. Ladies, if you've got a husband that is walking in, with God, you are so blessed. If you've got a husband that is not abusive, that is affirming of you and taking, you are so blessed. You, of, of, of I, I'm going to do my best. The world may not affirm. I'm going to do my best to try to affirm somebody today. I, I came with intention. I, I want to tell some of our men in the room today that you are enough. The world wants you to think that if you're not this, that, and the other, that you're, you are enough. You are enough. And comparisons will destroy a marriage, a home, a family. It will destroy everything. Stop comparing yourself with everybody else. The Bible tells us not to compare ourselves with others. Where they're strong, I'm weak. But where, I'm, where I am strong, they may be weak. You're amazing. We have some wonderful men in the church. You ought to put your hands together and thank our men. Let me go a step further and tell you today that although it may be easy to feel like you are, you are not forgotten. You're not overlooked. Sometimes it feels like we are. I don't have all the answers as to why that you may go through some of the trials and tests that you go through. I don't have all the answers as to why good people deal with bad things. I, I don't have the answers and reasons why some of our good people go through physical problems and financial problems. I don't have all of the answers. I don't come with that this morning. There, there are some things that we don't understand, and I wish that I did. I wish I had all the answers, but I don't. But this much I know. God has not 
forgotten you. God has his eye on you. God is watching you. And when you do right, God is paying attention. Watch. When John was in prison, awaiting his death sentence, hoping for Jesus to dispatch an army to get him out of prison, it was then that Jesus sends a message to him. Now this is complex and confusing on the surface. In our text, Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 4, John's in prison. John sends two of his disciples, not the disciples of Jesus, John's disciples, the forerunner of Jesus. He sends his disciples to where Jesus is because he's hoping that Jesus is going to dispatch an army to get him out of prison because if he stays in prison, he knows he's going to die there. So he sends disciples to where Jesus is just to go and remind him because you know sometimes he may not know where you are. You need to wake up your neighbor and say, if they didn't smile about that, you need to wake up your neighbor. So John sends his disciples. They come to where Jesus is. And they say, are you, are, are you he? Or, or, or should we? Should we look for another? That question, that question is a troubling question. Why the disciples of John? They knew better and John knew better. The disciples of John come and look at Jesus and say, hey, are you, are you he that can get him out of prison or, or should we go look for help elsewhere? Are, are, you, are you he? How, how often do we actually question God, if you are who you say you are, stop that. He is who he says he is. God, I know who you are. We need to speak it the way it really is. We need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and trying to play the devil's advocate and come and say, well, if you, are you who you say you are? Yes, he is who he says he is. When they came, you know what Jesus did? He went into overdrive. There were people receiving healings. The blind was receiving their sight. The lame was walking. Lepers were cleansed. Deaf were hearing. Dead was raised to life. The poor had the gospel preached unto them. And they're standing here, and all that they could say is, are, are, you, are you he? Nah, he just walks on water. May not be him. He just raised the dead. May not be him. And Jesus says to him in verse 4, says to these disciples of John, go show John again the things. That means, now watch, the word, every word in the scripture is powerful. Said, go show John again. Evidently, John had already seen these things that Jesus had done. He says, go tell John, go show John again those things which you hear and see. Go tell him what I'm saying and go tell him what I'm doing. Just go tell him. John, I want to remind you of my power and what I could do, but I'm going to leave you where you are because you have a greater purpose. Oh, 
the glory of God. And John, by the way, blessed is he who is not offended in me. John, you sent the disciples here to see all of these things. I'm sending them back to tell you everything that I'm doing here. But blessed is he who is not offended in me. I've often marveled at how John could manage to not be offended when he's in prison facing death. Sends disciples to see Jesus raising the dead, cleansing lepers, healing blind eyes, deaf ears open. And Jesus says, go back and tell John everything that you're seeing and everything that you're hearing. Talk to him and tell him everything that's going on here. And when you do, be sure you close your remarks to him about all the miracles that I'm doing. It's blessed is he that's not offended in me because, John, I am not coming to where you are. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. I've often marveled at this. How could John manage to not be offended? I'm going to tell you, we can't afford to be offended at God because God knows exactly what he is doing. Even when we don't understand, we need to make up our mind regardless if he heals me or doesn't heal me, regardless whether he blesses me or doesn't bless me, it doesn't change one thing. I'm going to be faithful to him. I will still trust him on the good day and the bad day, on the day I get my miracle and the day I don't get my miracle. John, I got a message for you. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. I am God. I will do as I please, but blessed is he. For you and I, we got to make up our mind. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to serve him. If he never does another thing in my life, I'm living my best life serving him. I will trust him regardless. I know I know we all want our answer. I know we all want our healing. We all want our blessing. We all want the prophet to come by and speak a word into our, our hearing. I know, I know some of you, when you send that text message of what you're going through, you're wanting pastor to send you a prophetic word and tell you, but if God doesn't speak, I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to lie for God. But when he does speak, I will tell you what I feel I hear God say and what I am sensing. But my faithfulness is not predicated on what he does, whether he does or does not. It is not predicated on what the will of God is for my life. There is the catch. What is the will of God for my life? I know what my will is, but it can't be about my will. What is his will for my life? My faithfulness is obedience to his word and acknowledgement of who he is. I recognize who Jesus is. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke 22, he says, Father, if, it, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't want to deal with the cross. I don't want to go through all of the suffering, the shame, the pain. I don't want the cat of nine tails and the crown of thorns and the nails through my hands and feet and the cross. I don't want, he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup that he's talking about was, was everything that, that he was dealing with. He said, let, if it's possible, let it pass. But then he throws a word in there, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. John, I want to tell you about the blind being raised and the dead, the, the blind being healed and the dead.
dead being raised and all that he's doing. But blessed is he that's not offended at me. Our response to the battle at hand should be determined before we ever get into the fight. You've got to make up your mind now. You've got to make up in your mind. Do you want me to be real with you this morning? When my wife and I got married, we made a decision at the early days of our marriage that divorce was never going to be an option for us. Because if it was, we would have never made it. If divorce was an option, we would have never made it. We had to take that option off the table. We have to find another option. And the only option that we had was to be able to make it. You need to have some predetermined, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to serve God. No matter what I go through, I'm going to serve God. If he heals me, I'm going to praise him and thank him and he gets the credit. But if he doesn't, I'm going to give God glory and honor and know he is still the healer. I still believe he's healing everybody else. My faith is not predicated on if that's his will for me or not his will for me. Our will is not his will. So his will in my life is where my faith must be predicated on. I'm trusting your will, your plan, and your purpose. God may not give you what you want, but he will always give you strength to keep praying to see his will to be accomplished. If you want to have faith that will close the mouths of lions, that will walk you through the fiery furnace, then you must have a made-up mind that you're going to serve God regardless what the circumstances. There's no amount of offense that will keep me from serving God. There's no amount of pain and hurt that will keep me from serving God. I have made up my mind a long time ago. I have settled some things. I have put some things. I have put some things. I have anchored some things. In the beginning, I established some things. There are times in our lives when our backs are against the wall and there seems to be no hope. At these moments, again and again, I've seen God deliver people out of trouble. But I've also seen times when God chose to let us walk through the fire. Does it make him any less God? Why do we doubt on the days that we are, we are locked away in the proverbial prison like John the Baptist? And we're saying, God, are you he or do we look for another? How silly we are. And then we hear the testimony of somebody else receiving their miracle or somebody else receiving their healing and somebody else being blessed and we're sitting over here going, what in the name of the Lord is going on? Everybody else, hey John, blessed is he who is not offended at me. You can't afford to get mad at God. You can't afford to get bitter about what you've been through. I hope that nobody in this room, I hope you never face another storm. I hope that you never have to go through another thing. I hope that you always have food on your table, but it doesn't change who God is regardless what happens in our lives. 
I don't believe for a moment that God will leave you in your dilemma. There will be a time when the Lord is going to say, that's enough, and God will turn it around and work it for your good. Listen to me this morning. I'm not preaching a gloom and doom message today. Whether God has delivered you or not, there's going to be a moment, whether it is our way or his way. But however it is, there's going to be a moment that God is going to say, that's enough. They don't have to deal with it anymore. Here is the answer. Here is the healing. Because God has never forsaken his, his people, and God's never going to forsake you. Is there anybody in the room today that has a made-up Bible? Regardless what comes, come on, do you, could, could somebody lift a hand today and say, I made up my mind, I established some things. I, I won't be much longer, but I've got to wrap this up and, 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 and take us home this morning. Listen, while John was in prison questioning God, God was somewhere else bragging about John. And he said, there's never been another like John the Baptist. Oh, oh, you don't think so? Go back and read that text over again with that open mind of seeing what happens. The two disciples come, are you who he or should we look for another? He said, listen, you go and tell John how you all the things that you saw and heard, how the blind see and the deaf hear and, and, and the dead are raised to life again. You go, you go back and tell him that. And the Bible said when he left, he departed, he went away. He went over with the other people and he begins to talk to the other people. And when he did, he starts talking to them about who? He starts talking to them about John. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is locked away in prison facing death tomorrow. And the, and, and the disciples are going back saying, I thought he was going to come back and deliver. John could have been in prison sucking his thumb saying, if he doesn't come, I'm going to die here and this can't possibly be the will of God. But he said, be sure to tell him, blessed is he who is not offended in me. And he turns around to the crowd of people that are there and they said, listen, that old boy that's locked up in jail, that boy that's in prison, there's never been anybody like John the Baptist. Never, nobody, no man born a woman is, is, like, is like John the Baptist. There's nobody greater than John. There's nobody greater. Wouldn't you think that he would run to the rescue? Oh, but he, he put a little tagline in there. He said, nobody's greater, no man born a woman's greater than John the Baptist. Oh, well, notwithstanding the one that is least in the kingdom. Oh. Oh, Pastor, I don't have anything to offer the church. Pastor, I don't have anything to, I, 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 I can't give a lot of money to the church. I don't have a lot of talents. I, 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 I don't know my abilities. I, I, I'm not much. He that is least in the kingdom of God is even greater than John the Baptist that he said is the greatest. On your worst day, I'm trying to encourage somebody this morning. On your worst day, when you are facing impossible odds, when you feel like that life may be over for you, I came this morning to tell you, baby, that the Lord said John the Baptist is the greatest born of woman except he that is the least. And when you are the least, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. When you are depressed and you don't know what to do, the Lord is telling somebody. <laughs> he said, oh, by the way, have you considered my servant Job? 
Have you considered my servant Job? Why does the Lord put us through such tests? Because he's wanting to brag on you. He's wanting to tell somebody, oh, brag on me. Look, I'm nothing. I'm not exactly. You know what? When you are being faithful to God and nobody else is and the man living across the road's going, I see them going to church again this morning. They're still going through trouble. They're still going through trial. They're still going through struggle, but they're being faithful. I, I don't the Lord starts speaking to them saying, ha, 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 that is a great man in my kingdom. That is a nobody's greater. God can use your testimony to brag about his goodness to the lost world because the people that he was talking to was not the saved house of Israel. The people he was talking to was the lost of Israel. He began to tell them, look, I'm going to tell you who you need to look to. You don't need to look to the man that is that, that, that has all the parts that looks right. You don't need to go check out the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's not where the answer is. What you need to do is find the man that looks like the least in the kingdom of God. They don't have the priestly robe on. They don't have the smile and the right lingo. They're not up front and on the stage and leading, leading in the choir. They're, they're just back somewhere in the back. They're just the one that mows the line. They're just the one uh, that, that is working on the north building. They're just the one that's being faithful and paying their tithes every week. They're just the one that's bringing their children to church every Sunday and the Lord's saying, hey, 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 I'm going to use that testimony to somebody that is lost. And when you think it's over, when you think it's over and when you think that you are forsaken, the Lord's saying, no, I'm going to use your testimony to somebody. And I'm going to tell them how great you are. When you think you're not, God's telling somebody. Stand with me all over this room this morning. Hey, Dad, I want to tell you this morning, you're not forgotten. I know you need your family to affirm you. But it may just be when everybody else misses your sacrifice that God is bragging to some sinner about your faithfulness. God noticed that you're not overlooked. You're not inadequate. God noticed sometimes your need for affirmation causes us to expect more than the world is able to, to give. That's why on this day it's so important that we recognize our fathers and esteem our fathers and lift them up because in this world, the world is putting them down. The world is saying, I, they're just, they're, they're, they're nothing. Let's, let's exalt the moms and put the dads aside. Come on, you are righteous men of God. Lift up your voice today and be heard in the sanctuary because God is talking to somebody through your example. You think that they're saying one thing, but God is speaking into their spirit and saying, look at that faithfulness. Look at their righteousness. Because their righteousness, the righteousness of a man, God is taking note of, doesn't go unnoticed. Sometimes our need for affirmation is so exaggerated, we're expecting the world to, to do what the world is incapable of, but God will affirm us. And the most affirming thing that can happen is when you find out that somebody is speaking positive about you behind your back. And when Jesus sent the disciples of John back to tell John all the things that he said behind John's back, he said, there's nobody greater than John. He thinks he's forgotten, but the Lord has given his testimony. Hey, sir, I just want you to know one thing. You don't always get it wrong. 
I know you feel like you do. You feel like you, you mess up. Hey, friend, you're doing far more right than you are wrong. Be encouraged today. God is watching the details of your life. There hasn't risen one greater than John the Baptist, except, except he who is least in the kingdom. He, he's greater than John the Baptist. I'm going to open these altars, and I'm, the first offer, the first invitation this morning is to the men in this room. I want to reach to you this morning. I know it's Father's Day, and perhaps lunch is awaiting you somewhere this morning. But I want to just take a moment and call you and give you opportunity to walk to the front of this room. And if you ever feel like you're the least in the kingdom of God, I want you to know that God is somewhere using you as an example to somebody saying there's nobody greater. Nobody greater. Brother Phil, nobody greater than, than you. Brother Jason, nobody greater than you. Brother Jeremy, nobody greater than you. Brother Danny, nobody's greater than you. Brother Stan, nobody's greater than you. Because the least in the kingdom, he said, he said, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. I open these altars and invite you to come join us here in the front of the room. Broken, weak, weary, tired like you're the least in the kingdom of God no no the Lord sent me today to tell you there's only one that's greater than John the Baptist and that is the least in the kingdom that is the least in the kingdom when the disciples asked who's the greatest in the kingdom of God Jesus answered and said he who is servant that's who's the greatest he who is servant Sometimes our striving for significance causes us to believe that nobody notices our faithfulness. Nobody sees how much we give and how much we sacrifice. Nobody sees us during our troubled times. But I believe God is dealing with someone's heart saying there's nobody great, nobody great, greater than John except he that is least in the kingdom. Hands lifted all over this room. Now I invite the rest of you to come and join us in the front of this room today and specifically I want you to pray a blessing over the men that are in this room today. If your husband is here, why don't you come to where he's at, lay a hand on his back and a pray an affirming prayer over him. If your son's in this room today, come lay a hand on them and pray an affirming prayer over them and let them know God's got you. God's strengthening you. God's watching you. When Satan brings an accusation against you, God is saying, have you considered my servant? Have you considered my servant? Oh, yes, yes, yes.